you, John. Good morning to everybody. Hey, it's great to be together. It really is. What a blessing. One we ought never take for granted. Do want to, uh, I neglected to get up before John led the prayer this morning and uh, let you know that uh, Sherry Taylor really appreciates all the prayers and the support. Her husband, Len, has come through his procedure fine. He's going to have a few more procedures follow up to this, but he's doing great. Please continue to pray for him and Sherry. And also, she brought to our attention the family of a, a little boy who was talking to her in a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant, just this past week, I believe. I think Elaine was there with her, and uh, the, the guardian of the little boy said that his mother is in Bellevue and his dad is in the hospital and not expected to make it. And so this little guy and his family, Sherry, wants us to know really needs our prayers. So keep them in your mind. Appreciate that very much. And if you're visiting with us today, we're so thankful that you're here. We, you took the time out. You made the effort to come and be with us. Either you're from the community here or maybe you're traveling. We, we want you to know you're special to us. You're a great encouragement to us. And we pray that, that you're being here with us today and worshiping God and hearing his word taught and singing the praises to him in worship and listening to the prayers that, that you're being encouraged as well. And if you're in this area, please come back as often as you can. And <clears throat> if you have received a visitor's packet, please fill out the card in there and just leave it on your seat before we, you leave. Keep everything else. And if you're traveling, when you're back in this area, you've got a home church right here. Come back and see us again. Be safe as you travel on too. Mark uh, contacted me yesterday, <clears throat> let me know that he was going to be leading singing this morning. He asked me what the, what the title of the sermon was going to be. And so I, I texted that to him and I said, no guts, no glory. And then I explained a little bit briefly where I was going with that particular title, with that particular theme. And I, I wondered, uh, wonder what he's going to do with that. Uh, you did great, Mark. I wondered what songs you were going to choose to fit that particular thrust of this lesson. And I, I don't know you could have done any better than what you, what you did, especially that last song, perhaps, leading into our study this morning. No guts, no glory. You know, that's an expressive, that's an expressive saying that some people will use about different situations in life. Sometimes they might say, you know, that's if you're going to be in a if you're going to be a baseball player or a basketball player, or a football player, you know, a golfer, whatever, it, you're you're facing some challenging situation along the way, and and so what are you going to do? Are you going to kind of you know bow out, or are you going to go ahead and try to do what needs to be done to the best of your ability? Well, no guts, no glory. We think about it sometimes from a military perspective. What are you going to do? You're there in the military, no guts, no glory. But it has a far more reaching application than just a couple of, of you know, in a couple of situations that we've, we've talked about. It's really about life in general, no guts, no glory. You think about when it comes to being a Christian, how many people have drawn back from becoming a Christian because either number one, they're afraid they can't live a faithful Christian life. Or number two, they realize that if I become a Christian, most of my friends, or a whole lot of my friends at least, 
they're not going to have anything to do with me. Or I need to walk away from them to a great extent because of the life we've lived together before I decided to become a Christian, that was ungodly. That was a sinful lifestyle. And now if I'm going to become a Christian, I, I need to be faithful. I need to be true to God and live by his teachings and his word. I need to be a student of his word so I can grow in faith. And, and what am I going to do if my, if my friends, if some of my family members start criticizing me? Or, or, you know, they want me to go back and, and to those drinking parties or those wild parties or do this or do that, you know, that I know is wrong spiritually. What am I going to do? Well, no guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. Think about if you want to accomplish something, if you want to achieve something, if you want to, to fulfill something, some challenge in your life, some desire in your life, all of that requires commitment, commitment. Now you say, okay, I get the general theme of what you're talking about here. Well, let's say you want to, you, you, you know, you have this dream. You want to climb Mount Everest. What do you do? How do you make that dream come true? You're not going to get to the top of Mount Everest just walking around one day. Let's say you've got this ambition that you want to be a, you know, a race car driver. You want to drive NASCAR, maybe, maybe, you know, Indianapolis 500. Well, you're never going to accomplish that if you don't get in the car and get on the track. You know, I, I've thought for many years, it would seem cool to me to go hang gliding. You know, you're hanging on to a wing and you're just floating through the air, you know, a couple hundred feet off the ground. Now, let me tell you this, I'm never going to do that. I have ziplined, but I'm never going to hang glide. But I think that would be really cool, really cool. Uh, I've also thought, you know, kind of a dream in the back of my mind. I've, I've, I've told people about this. I would love to fly in one of the Hurricane Hunter airplanes into the eye of a hurricane. I'm never going to do that either, you know, but I would love to do that. Yes, okay, so, but no guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. A person is never going to own a home without making the commitments that go with owning a home. And you think about, and this is what is really popular in our culture today, people changing the mindset of our culture, live-in relationships. You don't need to get married. Just live together. You love each other. You're committed to each other. Why do live-in relationships typically fail over a period of time? Because full commitment does not go with a live-in relationship. Well, we love each other. We don't have to have a marriage certificate. If you really love each other, why don't you get married? Well, we don't, you see, they don't want to get married because that marriage license means commitment and they want a way out. They may not be thinking about it like that, but they want a way out. If somewhere along the line, they say, you know, I'm tired of this. We're not making it together anymore. Well, again, no guts, no glory. This same principle is true in our spiritual lives. No guts, no glory. You cannot receive the blessings of Christianity and the glory of living in heaven for all of eternity with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit without committing yourself to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior.
and committing yourself to live the life of a faithful, dedicated Christian. Bottom line again, no guts, no glory. The Bible is clear, absolutely clear. You cannot expect salvation and eternal life without becoming a Christian. Faith in God is absolutely fundamental, absolutely necessary. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, we read the definition of faith given to us in God's word. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not blind wishes. It's not a blind leap in the dark as critics, you know, try to paint it as being. It is based on substance and evidence. And verse 6 in that same chapter goes on and says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who would come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith in God, belief in God, absolute faith, that is absolutely required if we're going to have eternal life with him in heaven. Why would I look for something, wish for something that I don't necessarily believe is a reality? See, no guts, no glory. I've got to give my life. I've got to totally surrender my life in faith before God. But that's the beginning. Faith in Jesus Christ as God's son and our Lord and Savior is also absolutely necessary. In John 8 and verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus came as the Savior. If we want salvation through the Savior, we must believe in the Savior. And you cannot just you know, say, well, I hope everything's going to be all right. We just want to do the right thing. If we really, if we really love God and we try to, try to act right, but you don't want to make the full commitment of becoming a Christian and being a faithful, dedicated Christian, Go back to the drawing board, go back to God's word because you're coming up short. If you want to stand justified before God, you've got to come to him through Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter two and verse 16, the apostle Paul wrote, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So let's, let's get down to the, basically the fundamental truth of what Paul was, was, was writing there. What about all of these different religious groups around the world that will say, I believe in God, now, some of them don't even necessarily believe in the true God. So without faith, it is impossible to please him. So already we say, okay, there's a problem there. Huge fundamental problem. You got to believe in God or else don't expect to be with him eternally in heaven. But then a number of them will say, well, we believe in God. And we believe that a man named Jesus walked upon this earth at one time but we don't necessarily believe that he is God the Son. We don't necessarily believe that he is the Savior who died on the cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. No way to be justified before God except through Jesus. And Jesus said again, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 
You see, the Bible doesn't beat around the bush on these fundamental principles of Christianity, of forgiveness and salvation and redemption through Jesus as being our savior, our only savior. They let us know very straightforwardly. In fact, over and over again, our Lord himself lays out these teachings, these principles, these truths. Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And he identified what that truth is in the 17th chapter in verse 17, when he prayed to the father the night of his betrayal, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So somebody says, well, I believe in God, but I don't necessarily believe in that Bible. They, it's, it's a package deal, folks. They go hand in hand. You can't reject the Bible and somehow still walk with God in faithfulness and obedience. The Bible gives us the guidelines, lays out for us his will in detail for our lives. Jesus himself said on the night of his betrayal, John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Peter was teaching in, John, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, nor, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then we look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the apostle Paul wrote, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How do we get into Christ Jesus? Paul wrote in Romans 6 and verse 3, we're baptized into Christ. In Galatians 3 and verse 27, we're baptized into Christ and actually put him on in baptism. That's how we come into Christ. And what is baptism? It's an act of obedience, surrender. At the, point, at the point of being baptized, we're told in Acts 22 and verse 16 that the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross washes away our sins. On Pentecost, when many asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do, Acts 2 and verse 40, uh, 37, Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no way to God except through Christ. We must absolutely believe in him. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Do I really want to give my life to Christ? Do I want to make that commitment? No guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are there as blessings for us, but only in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that last statement is conditional. He is our only source for eternal salvation. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, it talks to us about how even he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And I've, I, I believe, and I've taught this for a great many years, I believe that is an accommodative statement about what Jesus went through, learning obedience as he grew up and so on. He didn't need to learn obedience. He's God the Son. But he, we, we need to understand that he still went through that process as a human being, though still fully divine. And then in verse 9, the text goes on and says, And having been perfected, he became the author or source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now there's eternal life again, but only through Jesus. There are 
some religious groups mighty in number who do not believe that eternal life comes only through Jesus. So how should we view those particular religious groups? We can love them because we're supposed to love mankind. We need to love them enough to teach them the truth. But the truth being, you need to change your belief. You need to recognize Jesus is your only savior and only through him can you have eternal life in heaven with God. Lack of commitment on our part can cause God to reject us. In John 12 and verse 47 and 48, and if anyone hears my words, Jesus speaking here, and does not believe, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken shall judge him in the last day. There's a reason God gave us the Bible, because that is our guidebook for our spiritual lives, but our spiritual lives should be the guide for our physical lives. And so that's God's guidebook for us, to live that faithful, dedicated Christian life on a daily basis. And John the Apostle wrote in 2 John chapter 1, verse 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, the word doctrine simply means teaching, whoever does not live in the teaching of Christ, not just about Christ, but all of his teachings, does not have God. And he who abides in the doctrine of Christ, lives by those teachings of Jesus, has both the Father and the Son. And let me tell you, the entire Bible basically is about Jesus coming as the Savior and then after he came being the Savior. And you might say, well, well I, thought, I thought that Old Testament was, was about the Jews. They were simply the bloodline that God raised up and utilized to bring the Savior into the world in physical form. The whole Bible basically is about Jesus being our Savior. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, Paul wrote, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, and that's going to be a reality, a final day of judgment, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and there will be a whole lot of those out there, a whole lot of those out there right now, and, and there's that coordinating conjunction, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, separated from God and from the glory of his power for all of eternity. It's difficult for us to even grasp the fullness of what that means. Separated from God. No wonder hell is described as a place of utter darkness because the glory of God will not be present there. The glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will not be there. Do you want to be in heaven? Do you want to have eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Do you want to enjoy the glories of that, that eternal existence? No guts, no glory. Are you ready to make that commitment? 
Nicodemus apparently had some faith in Jesus Christ, but without full commitment, it would seem. No guts, no glory. Well, John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. I believe we're to understand a member of the Sanhedrin council. This man came to Jesus by night, under the cover of darkness, in other words, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do except God be with him. He had some degree of faith in Jesus. But notice again, he came to Jesus by night. And notice how he's referred to later in the text of Scripture. John chapter 19, verse 39. Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night. Why do you suppose he is continually, or he is, you know, again, on a repeated basis, referred to as he who came to Jesus by night? Maybe a lack of some dedication there, open commitment perhaps, perhaps. We certainly can get the understanding, no guts, no glory. There was another man who had faith in Jesus. His name was Joseph, he was of Arimathea. And he also apparently was a member of the Sanhedrin council. And he had heard the teachings of Jesus in some way. Maybe he had been there in his presence while he was teaching in a multitude. Maybe he had heard others talk to him about what they had heard from Jesus. We're not told the details of that. But he had faith in Jesus. But again, the open commitment, at least for a period of time, seemed to be somewhat lacking, at least. Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 50. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself also was waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, Jesus had died on that cross. Now Joseph came out of the shadow, so to speak, and he went to the Roman governor, Pilate, and said, can I take the body of Jesus? And Pilate gave him consent. Now, we look in another text talking about this, John chapter 19, verse 38. This, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. Can we think about maybe he was holding back for fear of maybe reprisal or fear of, of being removed from his position in the council or maybe just, just fear for his own life, perhaps? Maybe we can get a degree of understanding again, no guts, no glory. We think about the young man, the rich young man who came to Jesus. And he asked him in Matthew 19 and verse 16, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing must I do or shall I do that I may have eternal life? He believed in eternal life in heaven. And apparently he believed at least to some degree in Jesus because he came to him and asked him, what good thing must I do that I can have eternal life? 
And Jesus told him, keep the commandments. The young man said, which? And Jesus gave him a sampling of several commandments from the original 10. And the young man said, I've kept these from my youth up. And then Jesus told him, go sell what you have, give to the poor and come follow me. Total commitment was needed on the part of this young man. Now, I don't believe we're to understand that Jesus was teaching there that everybody who comes to follow him needs to sell everything they have and then give to the poor and then come follow him in order to be able to follow him. But he knew this young man's heart. I believe we understand. And the response of the young man is telling. Verse 22 says, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had more commitment to his wealth than he had in doing what Jesus, what he came to ask Jesus, what he needed to do to have eternal life. No guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. Many in Jerusalem believed in Jesus, at least believed in Jesus to some extent, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, we read, Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. They had an esteem, a high esteem, for the teachings of Christianity as they were hearing it in the early period of the church's existence after Pentecost. But there were many who even apparently being impressed to a high degree were holding back from becoming Christians themselves, making the commitment. Well, why? No guts, no glory. It's not just believing something. We have to commit ourselves to living the life of being a Christian, a life that demonstrates by the way we live in our actions, by the way we act and conduct ourselves, that we are followers of Jesus. We are Christians. And this same principle, it applies to those who have become Christians, but somewhere along the line, they've been struggling with their commitment. They've gotten to a point where maybe their faith is weakened, their dedication has weakened perhaps, and they're struggling with a worldly lifestyle again. Stop dodging the issue. Stop putting off your obedience. Make the commitment to be baptized into Christ. No guts, no glory. You're holding back and saying, I don't know if I can live that life. You can live that life with God's help. Well, you don't know what I've been doing. God knows what you've been doing. He still sent his son to die on that cross for you. He loved you so much that he sent his son that you could have eternal life through him. John 3, 16, Romans 5 and verse 8. He didn't die for you because you were righteous. He died for you in your sins. Romans 5 and verse 8. Now, again, Stop putting off becoming a Christian. Stop thinking it'll be all right. It's not going to be all right if you're not, if you've, if you're not baptized into Christ for the specific purpose of having your sins washed away and you're surrendering to him in obedience through baptism. 
Now again, what about later on? You say, I, well, I'm struggling in my faith. I'm struggling in my faithfulness. Well, the same principle applies. No guts, no glory. So spiritual growth is an ongoing process. Don't think once you're baptized into Christ, now you're a full-grown Christian. You know it all. You're just coming out of the starting blocks like all the rest of us. And Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, till we all come, it's a process again, it's a journey, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God, or knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, a complete Christian, one who has fully matured to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, no longer baby Christians, but we have grown in our faith. We have grown in our spiritual maturity, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Growing up into Christ. Growing up in Christ. And then drop down to verse 22 that you put off concerning your former conduct, that old man, what you were before you became a Christian, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. You have been transformed spiritually as you became a Christian, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God's not going to let you be tempted by any temptation that is too overwhelming that you cannot overcome it. But with the temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And in the middle of that verse, it says God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. So we need to understand spiritual growth is an ongoing active process of commitment on an ongoing basis. And Jesus said, at the end of Acts chapter two, uh, Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death. Again, a lifestyle, and I will give you the crown of life. You have to commit yourself. You have to commit yourself. I'm going to be a student of God's word. I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to become stronger. I'm going to grow in my dedication. And that's, a, again, an active process by way of making that commitment. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, you've got to stay in God's word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So it's no wonder that the apostle Paul wrote, King James Version, study, other translations, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth, God's word. Well, that's, that's, that's a lifetime of study then. Doesn't matter where I start, if I became a Christian when I was 15 years old or if I became a Christian when I was 80 years old, I start to grow now. I keep reading. I grow in my knowledge and thereby I grow in my faith from God's word or through God's word. You have to make up your mind. You have to make up your mind to be, actively live the Christian life, not just wear the name. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I've given my life to Christ. I'm living by his teachings now. The Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance, faithfulness, the race that is set before us. In other words, the life that we're living still upon this earth, looking toward or looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross for us, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we want to be there in heaven with him. But that means committing ourselves to that lifestyle here on this earth, the Christian lifestyle. Second Timothy four verses seven and eight, the apostle Paul is facing what appears to be imminent execution. And he wrote this, I have fought the good fight. I have kept, I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, eternal life in heaven, in other words, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing, who love his appearing. The glory of eternal life awaits you, but no guts, no glory. Are you ready to come to Jesus today? Are you ready to be baptized into him for the remission of your sins? Or are you ready to repent of sin in your life after you become a Christian and, and, and get back on track? Acts 22 and verse 16, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, yeah, I'm not sure yet, I'm not ready yet what Paul said this. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Are you ready? Will you stop putting it off? Will you get your life right with the Lord? Don't make excuses. Don't let the devil plant those excuses in your mind and think that they're acceptable before God. No guts, no glory. Are you ready to take that step as we stand and sing?